Good to see everybody. Want to welcome all of you. Uh, big shout out to our Shaw campus. Could we welcome them together, guys? Shaw, I love you. See you in a few moments. Uh, welcome to our online church family and also uh, all of our brothers at Stepping Into the Light Ministries. Uh, so glad that you guys are uh, joining with us today. I do want to just uh, do some little housekeeping stuff real fast, uh, just so that you can stay connected. So one of the new things, I think on the back of your seats, uh, wherever you're at, at either campus, uh, you've, you've got a QR code available to you, and you can actually use your iPhone. Uh, you can go to your camera and just shine that up. Actually, last week what I did, I was at the Shaw campus. This TV was shining on our big screen, and I used my phone to take an image of the screen of the screen, and it still worked. And so uh, I want to encourage you to do that. What that QR code will do for you, if you click on the link that pops up, is it's going to take you to our online connection card, and you're going to be able to share with us whatever is going on in your life. You can share a prayer request. You can share uh, a testimony about what God is doing, um, any decisions that you've made. You can give through that. All of those things uh, are available through that QR code. So I want to encourage you to take advantage of that uh, and use that. And then coming up uh, just in a couple of weeks, actually about a week and a half, uh, it's something brand new, uh, and that is our Dream Team Night happening on May the 5th. If you are on the Dream Team, this is for you. So excited about this night. This is not going to be a night that you serve. This is going to be a night that you soak. Uh, Pastor Brent's going to be with us. We're going to have worship. We're going to have prayer. We're going to have some teaching. We're going to pour into you. Uh, and just, uh, it's all about you that night. In fact, I would say this, if you're not on the dream team yet, uh, you are actually welcome as well. If you want to get on the dream team, uh, if you want to start serving at one family church, uh, then you're welcome on that night as well. It's going to be at our Shaw campus, but it's for the whole church family. Even if you're online, if you're comfortable coming out for an in-person event, uh, you can come out to that as well. So that is coming up on May the 5th, Wednesday. So I encourage you to, uh, to stay tuned for more info about that. And then also, we've got a brand new step three in our Next Steps classes. Uh, if you've started that, our, you know our Next Steps classes are offered on the first three Sundays of every month. This is an opportunity, if you are new to our church family, to find out more about One Family Church and how you can get connected. Um, and so this is a brand new version of step three called Grow, and we really want to encourage you to be a part of that. It's going to be kind of an interesting uh, morning because as soon as I'm done preaching this message, I'm going to jump in my truck and I'm going to hightail it for the Shaw campus. And I'm going to get there hopefully by the time I'm done preaching. <laughs> so what that means, I'm going to have to have like a book of Acts Miracle, you know, where Philip got translated. I need to be translated this morning, but I'll be there to teach the step three class. And Pastor Brent, who is at Shaw this morning, hanging out with all of our Shaw peeps, uh, he will be back here for step three. So I encourage you to jump into that uh, right after the services today uh, and also online. Um, also coming up is just in a few weeks, man, we, this year is just flying, but coming up in just a couple of weeks is Mother's Day, and we are so excited to celebrate the ladies of One Family Church, and on that day, something big is happening, and that is this campus, Tivoli, will be going back to two services. You'll have a 9.30, you'll have an 11 a.m., so we'll have plenty of room for everybody that wants to be in person and yet still be socially distanced. It's going to be great. So um, yeah, that's important. Keep that in mind that the Shaw campus will still be at 10 o'clock in the the morning and the online service at 9.30. Okay, so that's all of the housekeeping stuff. Let me uh, just jump in this morning as we are continuing uh, this series that Pastor Brent uh, started a couple of weeks ago called Under the Influence. And so I want to start today maybe uh, in a little bit different way. Uh, I want to start by talking about my grandson, my, my newest grandson. So he was born one year ago. 
He was actually born on April the 15th on tax day. And so as a way to celebrate that, the entire nation, nation moved tax day last year for several months just so that that grandson could celebrate that birth. You're welcome, by the way. We did that for you. And actually, we did it this year, too. So tax day is not until, like, May. And that's all because we're celebrating the birthday of my newest grandson. Okay, so you're wondering why in the world am I telling you about my grandson? So I have to tell you a little bit about his name. So my son and his wife decided they wanted to name him something kind of unique. His wife decided they wanted to name so they, their initial thought about his name was that he was going to be Noble Seagraves. It's a pretty cool name, Jack Jack Noble Seagraves. But as they got to thinking about it a little bit more, they decided, you know, my dad's name is Daniel and my son's middle name is Daniel. And they didn't want to lose Daniel. So instead of Jack Noble, they named him Jack Daniel. Also, you're welcome. And so I want to introduce you to Jack Daniel this morning. That's my buddy. He is one years old and I would love to say that he's worshiping, but he's at a restaurant, so he's just excited about food. Definitely my grandson. All right. So why did I talk about that? I want you to keep Jack Daniel in mind as we turn our attention to Ephesians 5.18 and the first three words, which are, don't be drunk. Okay, so you see how I got my grandson in there? I figured out a way. I'm like, I'm going to introduce him to everybody. All right. So this is Ephesians 5.18. We're starting uh, with that one today. Shaw, I hope you're, I hope you're okay with me coming back today. They may not let me in the door. All right. So Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled. Everybody say filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Paul is writing this. He's saying, look, don't be satisfied with just a sip of the Holy Spirit. Uh, don't, don't just get enough to, to quench a temporary thirst. Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. So I want to share with you something today that I believe is the key to an overcoming life. The key to an overcoming life. So just look at the person that you're sitting next to and tell them this, drink deep. Would you do that? Just tell them, drink deep. All right. So let me take you, um, let me take you back to 1985. It's a long time ago. I was skinny. I was handsome. And I played basketball back in the day. Uh, so that, that summer, I think it was May or June of 1985, I stepped into the gymnasium of Indiana University, uh, where at that time coach Bobby Knight was training his basketball team, not at that moment, but I mean, that's where he trained his basketball team. Uh, and I was there with my team to play in a national high school uh, basketball championship tournament. Almost 200 teams there, and it was a single elimination tournament. And so we were geared up, we were ready to go, man. And we promptly lost the first game. Driven 2,000 miles to get there for that tournament, and we lost the first game, and we were out. And man, I really wish that story had a different ending. It would have been a much better, better beginning to this message. But I, but the reason I share that is because I remember at the time of losing that there were so many people that told me at that moment, they said, it doesn't matter if you win. You keep the right attitude, you have a good time, that's all that matters. That's what they told me. I have to be honest with you, I did not buy that in that moment because I didn't want to lose. I wanted to win. It's not natural to be okay with losing, right? I mean, how, how would that look in life? Well, you know, I didn't handle my finances as well as I could have and now I'm broke, but 
at least I had the right attitude while I was in Vegas, right? Or, or, well, you know, that relationship blew up, but I had a good time while it lasted. Or, well, I, I lost my job, but at least I told the boss what he could do with it. Okay, so that may be what the, what the world might think, but I, I was thinking, okay, what would that look like for a believer if we were okay with losing? It's like, well, the, you know, the devil won that time, but at least I kept a good attitude. Or, well, my flesh certainly got the better of me that time, but at least I kept a good attitude and I actually did have a good time. Look, we weren't, we weren't created, especially as children of God, to be satisfied with barely surviving this life. We weren't created in the end to just barely slither under the closing gate of heaven as exhausted and bruised and beaten and broken believers. It's true that sometimes we do lose. That's just the truth. Not every basketball tournament is won. Not every relationship lasts. Not every financial decision that we make is perfect. And surprise, believers don't resist every temptation every time. So you're like, well, I do. Well, if you do, if you're able to do that, I really need to talk to you because I don't. But God has provided a powerful key to living an overcoming life. And that's what I really want to talk to you about today. You know, God has given us so many different powerful things that can help us. For example, we could talk today uh, about the blood of Jesus. I love the verse in Revelation that talks about how that they overcame the accuser of the brethren, which is a, a description of Satan, Lucifer, Beelzebub, the snake, whatever, whatever name you want to call him, the accuser of the brethren who spends all of his time bringing up the faults and the imperfections and the sins and the mistakes of believers to the Lord. He, he tries to constantly accuse us. He's called the accuser of the brethren. But Revelation 12, 11 says of him, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony, the blood of Jesus is a powerful thing. If your faith is in Jesus Christ and you have been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb, it doesn't matter how many times the enemy tries to bring up your past, that past no longer exists. And you are a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. So the blood of Jesus is a powerful weapon. The word of God is also a powerful weapon. It said they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Well, the word of God itself is a powerful thing. That's why when God chose to reveal himself in authentic humanity through Jesus Christ, it says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And if you go to verse 14, it says that the word of God was manifested in the flesh and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the father. So Jesus Christ was the word in flesh. That's a pretty powerful weapon right there. But when I'm lost and I can't find my way, I love this description of it in Psalm 119, 105, where it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Man, we've got some powerful weapons. We could also talk about the name of Jesus as a powerful weapon. This verse in Philippians 2 is one of my very favorite. It says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, of things under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. By the way, when it talks about knees that are under the earth, this is a reference to the enemy. This is a reference to the devil and his angels or his demons or his fallen imps or minions or whatever you want to call them. They actually have to bow their knee to the name of Jesus. So these are powerful, powerful resources we have. And today, 
We're talking about something that Jesus claimed would also make a drastic difference in the life of the believer. So think about this. During the time that Jesus was on earth, he authorized his disciples, his followers, to go out and to do some incredible things. They literally healed the sick, they cleansed lepers, they raised the dead, they casted out devils, and they preached the good news of the kingdom everywhere that they, that they went after Jesus had empowered them to do so, authorized them to do so. But after his resurrection, that was before his, he went to the cross, before the resurrection. After the resurrection and before he ascended to heaven, Jesus told those same believers, I'm going to send you something that's going to make a real difference in your life. And a Greek doctor, a physician named Luke, actually wrote about this. He was copying down stories that he had heard about Jesus. And so he wrote two different letters, the Gospel of Luke and also the book of Acts, to a Roman official by the name of Theophilus. And as he's recording this, he says, this is what Jesus told his disciples after his resurrection. He said in Luke 24, 49, and I myself will send upon you what my father has promised, but you must wait in the city until the power from above comes down upon you. Everybody say power. Man, I like that word. So he said, he said I'm going to give you some power. Listen, they'd already seen the power of God at work in their life. I mean, there were people that were dead that were raised up. There were people that were lepers that were healed. They'd seen the power of God. The spirit of God had been with them and moving through them. But Jesus said, nah, get ready because something powerful is going to be given to you. So I'm thinking about that. What would that have to look like for it to seem impressive to them after all of the miracles that they had done, right? If you're a pedestrian and you're walking down the road and you see the, the, the one family church bicyclist life group coming and they're on all of their cycles and they're moving at about 25 or 30 miles an hour to a pedestrian, walking was good, but the bicycle is even more powerful, right? If you're on a bicycle and you see a car and it's going past you, you're looking at the car and you're going, well, this bicycle's pretty good. It's better than being a pedestrian. But man, that car looks really powerful. And of course, if you had my first car, which by the way was a four-cylinder 1982 red Ford Escort that would go zero to 60 in about eight and a half minutes. No joke. If you're driving that car, pretty much anything, even a pedestrian looks more powerful. So maybe that's not a good illustration of that. But these people have seen the power of God and now Jesus says, I've got something more for you. So in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, right before his ascension, he's eating with them in his glorified body, by the way. That is one of the best news I have ever heard, that in our glorified bodies, we still get to eat that stuff. Come on. No calories, no weight gain, no working out you have to do. It's just free food in the glorified body. Okay, I'm getting excited about that. So he says, he's eating with them and he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus said would happen when they received the promise, the first part of Acts chapter one and verse eight. He says, but you shall receive power or ability or efficiency or might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He's saying the Holy Spirit is powerful and it's yours. Pastor Brent started 
this series just a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about that power. He said, we've got power over our past. We've got power right here in the middle of our present. We've got power for the purpose that God has set aside for us. So when we're talking about living under the influence of the spirit of God, we're talking about something powerful here. We're not talking about just a passive presence. It is an empowering and an invigorating and an equipping and an inspiring force within us. So Luke, this doctor, he shares with us what this is going to look like for believers. Like, what does that mean? I mean, I've been following Jesus for a long time. It's like, what is this Holy Spirit thing? You know, I, I mean, I know the Spirit's in my life, so why are you talking about that? Well, this is interesting to me. Because in Acts chapter 8, God actually sent Philip to go to the people of Samaria to preach the Word of God. And in response to his preaching, they actually became believers. And so I want you to see what happens in the life of these believers when it relates to the Holy Spirit. So let's go to Acts chapter 8 and verse 12, and I'll just read a few verses here for you. It says, but now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and concerning the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result, men and women were baptized. This is talking about being baptized in water. This was a this was a major step for them. They believed the truth of the gospel and they got into the waters of baptism. They were baptized. And then it says after their baptism, it says when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. And then as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers, these Christians, to receive the Holy Spirit. That's interesting says the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. So isn't this interesting that they had believed the truth of the gospel, they'd even been baptized in water, and now it says they had an opportunity to get something even more from God, whatever this thing was, as they laid hands on them, and they ended up receiving the Holy Spirit. Let me give you one more, because this is interesting as well, in Acts chapter 19. So Acts chapter 19, Paul was actually traveling and he's on his way to Ephesus. And it said that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Now Paul in this context is actually under the impression that the believers that he found were believers in Jesus. That's why he said they were believers. Okay, And so he asked them a question, which is an interesting question anyway, since he assumed they were believers. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed again assuming they were christians and so they replied well, well no uh, in fact we haven't even heard that there is a holy spirit and so something kind of a, a red light went off in paul's mind he's like well, wait a minute if you were believers in jesus you would have heard about the holy spirit because john baptized with water but jesus is going to baptize in the holy spirit so what is this disconnect and he says well then how were you baptized and they said, well, we were baptized according to the baptism of John, John the Baptist, the baptism of water. And so he's, oh, well, okay, now I, now I get it. You haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit because you stopped with the baptism of John the Baptist. So that makes sense. So then Paul says to them, he says, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who was coming later, meaning Jesus. And as a result of that, it says, as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and they prophesied. So something powerful hit them in that moment and they did something they couldn't have done before. 
Listen, the Spirit of God is at work in your life the moment that you believe. There is no doubt about that. The Spirit of God is working in you when you are baptized in water. There is no doubt about that. But what Jesus and Luke and Paul are all saying, they're saying the same thing all to believers. It's not that the Spirit of God is absent from your life. It's that there is more. And it's a promise from the Father to every every believer. Jesus said to his followers, you need this. Peter and John said to the, the people in Samaria after Philip had preached to them, you need this. And Paul said to the believers in Ephesus, you need this. And what I love about it is that when you read through the book of Acts, which is really the unfolding of the history of the early church, is that the people who were filled with the Holy Spirit were filled again and again and again. And after that initial outpouring on the day of Pentecost when they were all filled, it was always a filling that came in a moment when something supernatural was needed, when extra strength was needed. In fact, the one initial uh, illustration of that that I'm thinking about right now is in Acts chapter 2 when they were all filled with the Spirit. Peter got up and preached a great message. But two chapters later, he's standing before a judgment council. And he's having to come up with an explanation for why he's doing these things in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says that as he's getting ready to speak, it says, and Peter was filled with the Spirit and began to speak. So in those moments where strength was needed, the Spirit was there. This, this is just a normative thing for the early church. So why is it important? What does the Holy Spirit do for me as it relates to the overcoming life. Let me, let me give you a couple of main thoughts and some things under that. So the first main thought, you can write this down if you want, is that the Holy Spirit helps me. The Holy Spirit helps me. That, that seems straightforward, but I'm going to give you a few ways that the Holy Spirit helps. So here's number one. Number one is that the Holy Spirit gives me strength when I'm weak. Romans 8, 26 says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Can I just ask a really authentic question right now? Has anybody here, Shaw Campus, online, anybody ever felt weak before? Man, I am, I have been right there. The promise here is that the Holy Spirit is going to be with you in that moment to help you in your weakness. And here's what I love. I love the context of Romans chapter 8 and verse 26 because if you read that, those few verses right around there, it's actually talking about weakness when you pray. It's like, man, I get weak in a, in a lot of things, you know. In fact, I get so weak sometimes that I do have a difficulty praying. And he says, even when you're too weak to pray, even when you don't have enough understanding for what to pray, the Holy Spirit is going to be there. So this is my encouragement to you. When you are weak, drink deep. And the Holy Spirit is going to help you. Let me give you another one. The Holy Spirit sets me free from fear. Man, I love that. That's another way that he helps. Romans 8, 15, that same chapter says, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Man, before we came to the Lord, before our faith was in Jesus Christ, we literally were slaves to sin. We didn't have a choice in what we did in our life. We just automatically gave in to the sin nature and we all struggled with the feeling that there was some kind of a disconnect, somehow, some kind of a separation with God. And what's amazing 
amazing about this new covenant, what's amazing about the Spirit of God in our life is that now that we are the children of God, even when we continue to make mistakes, even when we continue to have faults and failures, when we start to question our identity as a child of God, the Holy Spirit steps into our life and says, you don't have to be afraid. You're not a child of God when you're perfect and then you lose that status when you make a mistake. You are a child of God. And so when you are afraid, drink deep. The Holy Spirit is going to help you. Here's another one. And that is that the Holy Spirit helps me to resist temptation. <laughs> Romans 8, 13. I'm laughing because I've needed a lot of help in my life with that. Romans 8, 13. If you use your lives to do the wrong things your sinful selves want, you will die spiritually. But if you use the Spirit's help, did you catch that? If you use the Spirit's help to stop doing the wrong things that you do with your body, you will have true life. The good news is that you don't have to overcome temptation by just gritting your teeth or by sheer willpower. Help really is available. And so I say to you, when you are tempted, drink deep. Because the Holy Spirit will help you. Here's another one, another way that the Holy Spirit helps, and that is that the Holy Spirit empowers me to be a witness. This is so important, especially if you're a family member and you've got people in your life, in your family, that you know need to hear about the good news of Jesus. Maybe they've been resistant to it all of their life. Maybe you've got coworkers, or maybe you've got friends that have been resistant and you, you have felt the stirring on the inside of you at times to share what God has done in your life and you just weren't able to come up with the right words or, or whatever that might be. But this is the promise of God for you. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, that was local. In Judea and Samaria, that was kind of like nationally, and then to the ends of the earth, even globally. If you are a follower of Jesus today, then you are called to be a witness. In other words, you're called to see, like when you witness an accident, that means you saw the accident, right? So you are called to see what God has done through Jesus Christ and his death, his burial, his resurrection. And then a second way that you witness it is that you experience it for yourself. This is what is happening to me. I, I was saved because of what Jesus did. And then the third way that we are witnesses is that, that it's what Christy was singing about just a little while ago. It's our testimony. We testify about what God has done in our life to everybody else. You don't have to be a Bible scholar and try to argue people theologically and doctrinally into the kingdom of God. All you've got to do is share your story about what God has done in your life and a light will come on for them. We're called to that incredible purpose and God says, I'm not just going to call you, I'm going to help you. The Holy Spirit is going to be with you in the moments that you need to share the good news of Jesus. And so, again, I say to you, drink deep. So the Holy Spirit is there to help us. But I want to give you one ma other major thought about the Holy Spirit. When my son, Luke, who was actually Jack Daniels' daddy, uh, my son, Luke, uh, as he was growing up, he got his driver's license. And I've got to tell you, if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. The first time that he drove away in a car, I was very concerned. <laughs> he had eight cylinders. He had 21 gallons of gasoline in that car. 
And I got to tell you, I wasn't worried that he wouldn't have enough power. I was worried that he didn't know where he was going. I mean, at that point, I'm not worried about power. I'm worried about direction. This is what God promises us. He says, I'm not only going to help you. I'm not only going to empower you. He says, I'm going to lead you as well. I'm going to give you some direction in your life. So that's the big one. The Holy Spirit directs me. We talked about Paul a little while ago. Before he became a Christian, he was a Jewish religious leader, hated Christians, killed Christians, imprisoned Christians, but God changed his life. He became a believer in Jesus and he had the experience of being filled with the Spirit. And he lived that way. He lived what I would call the Spirit-filled life. And so he wrote a letter to, to a church here in Ephesus that right now is located in what's known as Turkey. Um, I actually got to go to Ephesus to the excavation of that about 20 years ago. And it was just amazing to see the stadiums that Paul actually would have stood in when he caused some riots with his preaching and teaching. It was really cool. But this is what he said to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians 5 and verse 18. He says, don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. It's interesting language because in Acts chapter 2, with the first outpouring uh, of the Holy Spirit that happened, by the way, early in the morning. It was like 9 o'clock in the morning on the day of Pentecost that this happens. The language is being used that it was poured out, that it was like a drink that filled them up. And so here they were responding to the Holy Spirit in their life and the crowd gathered around because they heard all the noise and they just thought that all of these people that were gathered in the upper room on that day were just drunk. That was their assumption. And so Peter actually started off by saying, hey, listen, th this is not just a drunk. Th that, that's not what's happening. It's, in fact, he said it's nine o'clock in the morning. The taverns aren't even open yet. He says, that's not what this is. This is the Holy Spirit empowering and impacting the lives of those that are filled. And so what's interesting about this phrase, be filled with the Spirit, is that literally translated, it means be influenced by the Spirit. So it's not like driving under the influence of an intoxicating beverage. It's living under the inspiration of this indwelling presence. So how does it direct us? Let me just give you three ways, and then I'll wrap it up. Three ways that the Holy Spirit directs us. The first thing is that the Holy Spirit leads me, and I'll tell you what I mean. This is Holy Spirit leads me, and I'll tell you. John chapter 14, verses 15 and 17. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. No matter where you're at on your spiritual journey right now, you can trust if your faith is in Him that the Holy Spirit is going to lead you into all truth. Leading. So Paul said this in another letter, actually written to several churches in the region of Galatia. Galatians 5 and verse 25. He says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. In other words, if we have been empowered... If the, if the presence of God is in our lives, then let's not just be powered up. Let's not just be filled. Let's be led. Let's walk in the Spirit. And what that means is that, yes, the Spirit of God is with us, and we know He's never going to leave us, never going to forsake us. But now it's not just about Him being here. It's about me listening for His voice. It's about becoming sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you have ever felt something on the inside of you telling you to do something that you know God would be pleased with, 
Can I promise you that that's not Satan? <laughs> For those of you who are, well, I don't want to listen to the voice of the devil. And I sure don't want to listen to the voice of my flesh. I know God, I know that I'm hearing a, something on the inside. I got an impression to go over and pray for this man, but that's probably the devil. That's probably not the devil, I'm just saying. And it's probably not your flesh either. Those kind of promptings on the inside could be the Holy Spirit leading you in that moment. We become sensitive to his promptings. He leads us. Let me give you another way. And that is that the Holy Spirit produces the characteristics of Jesus in me. So literally, the Holy Spirit leads in the development of our character so that we become more and more like Jesus. And this letter that I was just reading from Galatians, Paul actually calls it the fruit of the Spirit, the byproduct of the Spirit in your life, the evidence of the Spirit in your life, the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 verses 22 and 23, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Pastor Brent uh, just preached an awesome message last week about, about this part of the fruit, the love of God. Got to go back and listen to that if you haven't listened. Here's what's interesting about the word fruit here, though, in this in this context. It says the fruit of the Spirit. You know, when I go and get fruit, sometimes that means that I got plural fruit. I may have gotten bananas. I may have gotten oranges. I may have gotten apples or whatever. And so that to me, that's kind of a plural word. But the word fruit is kind of like the word fish. It can be plural or singular. And in this particular context, the word, the Greek word for fruit here is singular. Now, that's interesting because you've got all of these things like love, joy, peace, and etc. So you're thinking, well, why? Why isn't that like a bunch of grapes, you know, like a bunch of fruit that's all together? But really what the writer is trying to communicate is that this is a singular piece of fruit, kind of like a, like a diamond or a prism that's got multiple sides. And when you shine light through it, then that light is refracted through all of the different prisms and you get all of these beams of color that come out of it. There may be blue and, and white and, and red and green and all of these different kinds of light colors coming through that prism. And he's saying that's what the fruit of the spirit is like. It's one thing with all of these different facets. Why am I saying that? Because some of us, myself included, might want to pick one to work on and not the others, right? We're like, you know what? I really like this joy thing. I'm going to work on this joy thing. But man, have you have you driven in St. Louis? I mean, come on, kindness? I have to be kind as well? The truth is Jesus, Jesus was all of these things. And the Holy Spirit in your life is going to help all of these things begin to grow in you. And by the way, we believe, One Family Church, we really do believe that growth happens in the context of relationships. So if you're wondering why we talk about life groups, why we talk about getting together in small groups, why that's important. We've got a brand new catalog of life groups coming out for the summer semester in mid-May. Don't say I got that little advertisement in there. But the reason why we talk about life groups is because that's where a lot of growth happens. You start to develop the fruit of the Spirit in there as iron is sharpening iron in the context of our groups. Let me give you another one. This is the last one. Is that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to me. And I put that under how he leads me for a reason. Because it's through these gifts that God directs us in how we serve one another. So this is how this is what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He said, men have different gifts. Just in that context, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, there's like nine of them. If you read Romans and, and some other passages like Ephesians 4, there's even more gifts 
administrative gifts and office gifts. We call these the gifts of the Spirit. But it says men have different gifts, but it's the same Spirit who gives them. By the way, one of our beliefs at One Family Church, and I think it's held up by the Scripture, is that every single believer has a gift or more than one. I think they have more than one. I think they have access to all of them. But we believe that every believer has at least one. And that actually gives you function as you serve. So, it's the same spirit that gives them. There are different ways of serving God, but it is the same Lord who is served. Then watch. God works through different men in different ways, but it is the same God who achieves his purposes through them all. In other words, it could be that ten of us have the same gift. But because God has shaped us and created us in different ways, then those gifts end up manifesting in our lives in a little bit different way. The best way I can explain that is when you look in the scripture and you see how the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, moved on people to write the words of the scripture. When you look carefully at the writings, you can see the influence of that person's personality coming through the writing that the Holy Spirit was inspiring. So whatever gift it is that God gives you, it's not going to look exactly how it looks in my life. And, and my, you know, it's going to be different because God does different things through different people. But it's the same God who achieves his purposes through them all. Each man is given his gift by the Spirit that he may make the most of it. Listen, one of the main ways that God accomplishes his mission on this earth is that he gives us gifts so that we can more effectively and powerfully serve one another. I was talking a few minutes ago about the Dream Team Night. It's coming up on May the 5th. It's going to be an incredible night. But I'm going to tell you, we don't get excited about serving on the Dream Team because there are tasks to be done. That, that's not why we're excited. We're excited because we are using the gifts that God has given us to impact our church and our family and our community and our world. God wants to work in you and through you to accomplish his purpose. And he does that through the Holy Spirit in your life. I gotta stop. In fact, I wanna have you guys stand if you would. Everybody, if you're at Shaw, if you would just stand with me here uh, at the Tivoli, would you stand? In fact, if you're watching at home right now in your pajamas on your couch, I invite you to stand as well. We're a little bitter <clears throat> because you're there in your pajamas, but that's all right, you stand as well. <laughs> I wanna encourage somebody today that God has given you everything you need, no matter what you're facing, no matter what moment that you are in right now, the Holy Spirit is available to every single believer. And I love the picture in the book of Acts because it says that they were filled over and over and over again. Maybe you came in this morning and you've, you, the Spirit of God's been in your life, obviously, but you're like, man, I am spiritually fatigued or I'm facing some challenges. I'm telling you right now in this moment, the Holy Spirit can fill you. The Holy Spirit can lead you. The Holy Spirit can help you. So I want to pray with you today. And by the way, if you've never experienced this, maybe you're, maybe you're here right now, one of our campuses or online, and you're just kind of kicking the tires of this thing called faith, church, religion, Jesus. You're just checking it out. Listen, the only thing that you have to do is to put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ and in what he did through his death and burial and resurrection, that it's enough to save you. And in that moment, the Spirit of God 
is going to flood into your life. So I want to pray with you this morning. Would you do me a favor? Just bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray together for just a moment. Thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for making your presence available to us. Thank you for helping us. Thank you, Father, for leading us with your Spirit. And I pray today for every person who is weak, for every person who is afraid, for every person who is wrestling with temptation. I pray, God, that you would just fill them up right now. And that through that filling, God, you would give them everything they need in that moment. For that person that is facing conversations with family members, with friends, with co-workers, conversations that need to, need to be filled with the grace of God, I pray that through the Holy Spirit you would fill them up and speak through them in Jesus' name. I pray for every person today that needs direction for their life. They want to be led by your Spirit, Lord. They want the fruit of the Spirit to begin growing in their life. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would just fill us up. In fact, you said, even though you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? And so today at each campus, at Shaw, at the Tivoli online, God, today we pray as a united family, we say, fill us, Lord, with your Spirit. Not just a drink of it, Lord, but fill us up. Let it be overflowing. Let it be like Jesus said, rivers of living water that flow out of us. I pray that every person that so desires it today would be filled in the mighty name of Jesus. And we say amen and amen.